Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who can never resist a good butt joint joke. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Oh. <laughs> That's funny stuff. All right, it is episode It's episode 467 for April 15th. That's my birthday, 2020. Happy birthday! Thank you. Thank you so much. It's great being a tax baby. I love it. Uh, on today's show, we're talking about not spring cleaning and... or No, not this year. <laughs> this is not a good tax day this year. Uh, today's show is on... What are we doing? Uh, spring. You guys totally interrupted me. Spring cleaning and organization. Before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for 65 years. Head over to rockler.com and check out the National Woodworking Month sale. The sale runs through the month of April, so don't miss it. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to be a patron of the show. <laughs> this week, we'd like to thank John Dietz, Matt Rorden, Ernesto Toth, uh, Jamie Orris. Tex is so small. Uh, Michael <laughs> Fry. <laughs> Come on, old John- man. You can do it. We're just talking about birthdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're getting older than me. I know. You got more your cheaters. You're going to catch up one day. You'll catch up. John Bernoulli, Steve, Steve Avery, Daniel Heitke, Fileback, <laughs> Tobias Sauer, uh, Matthew Perry, Tom Gerald, David Seidel, and Metris, Met, Metis. Mm-hmm. Metis. It's almost like people just do this to mess with you. That's fine. It's all good. They like add vowels to make their names even more <laughs> ethnic. <laughs> just disagree with Matt. It's working. Uh, from now on, just send emojis. 
But yeah. I'll have Matt read those. That'll yeah. be fun. Wing, wingdings or something. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> oh, look, look. Wingdings. Nice. The, the original the emojis. Yeah, there you go. Good idea. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll do a little what's on the bench segment today. Uh, so I am working on nesting tables. That's been an ongoing thing that's just taking way longer than it should. It's supposed to be a quick project, but with all the like sidetracking <laughs> and things going on right now, um, I shoved a couple of projects in before that. Uh, we did a little catapult uh, trebuchet thing that was just like, hey, let's do something quick that people can make with their kids. And, and of course, that just took up a couple of days. So the nesting tables is just kind of they're there. They're almost done. I'm just doing all those little fine details. Uh, that is a guild project, by the way, if anyone is interested in following along with that uh, at the woodwhispererguild.com. It looks pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. Very optical illusion-y. It's fragile. That's the one thing that, <laughs> that's the one thing, like, honestly, I don't like about it. I don't like building things that are fragile, but it is, it is a little bit more of a art piece than I normally make. So this is not the kind of thing you want to let a kid have any kind of significant time around <laughs> just because it's the design on the sides, not the table itself. Uh, the side design that occupies the space between the, the legs, the top and the bottom rail is a fragile creation. And I, I don't, we'll see how it holds up over time. Well, your kids are getting older, so maybe it'd be okay. Sure. But my dogs aren't getting any smarter. So there's that. <laughs> Dougie's just like a battering ram running around the say, house. You're the one who bought a small tank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I have Dougie, I get a lot of people who love bulldogs and they send me like pictures of the back of a pickup truck with five bulldogs in it or like them <laughs> surrounded by five. I'm like, we made that mistake once. I can't imagine going back for seconds with a bulldog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we did this. Okay. Now we're stuck with him. He's ours. He, he's, he's a jerk, but he's our jerk. And then going and being like, okay, I'm going to add four more of these to my life. No way. I will never own another bulldog. Anyway, follow Dougie on Instagram at Dougie's bag. (laughs) Little promotion for him. All right. Well, uh, on my bench, uh, I had a piece of uh, scrap crotch walnut that had been floating around the shop for a while. And I decided to take advantage of my Corona time to build a wall shelf to put my iPad on because I'm tired of staring at the blank wall while running on my treadmill. And it came out great. I was quite happy with it. Got to, It was actually cool. inspired, Mark, by your shelf years ago. That <laughs> oh, little, really? Like, the like center spine and shelves dated. I think it was Nicole's shelf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With her various and sundry like Comic-Con type stuff on. Right. So, yeah, the I was thinking of what to do with this and I resawed two parts and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to data on a shelf. And I was like, where did I get that idea? I was like, oh, that's right. But it was fun because it was, it, the wall itself has this inside angle. So the spine had to be beveled to form a, a, an in, inside angle and all that. It was kind of a fun little project. And now I, I have a lot more interesting things to look at. That's cool. Like that's the boys cool. on Amazon. Most important takeaway for this series. is that I will. Wait, which one? The boys. Superheroes gone wrong. Oh, okay. I feel like you're on a, I feel, I feel like Shannon's on a delay sometimes. It's mental. Just the, yeah. I don't, no, he's, he's, a, he's a bright guy, Matt. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> I just marched to the beat of my own drum. <laughs> Different wavelength. So what I'm going to take away from all this though, is that uh, the new show title will be Shannon is inspired by Mark. <laughs> right. We go. okay. We're good. All right. Uh, Matt, <laughs> what do you got going on? Mark invented the dado shelf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 I did. Shut up. Well, and I used crotch. And as Instagram has told me, you can't use crotch. That's not Matt. 
You're not Matt. That's you Matt's fair, That was my fair part about that post. A lot of people were like tagging me in it. I'm like, yeah, I know. I saw it. Yes. Crotch. Yes. I get it. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm known for crotch now. Yep. All right. Yeah. Just, Royalty just checks in it. the mail, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Can't wait to get my four cents. All right. I uh, I finished up the construction part of my trailer project, which was yeah. uh, felt pretty good to get to that point where I'm like, I've been working on it for so long and like it's been a constant part of my life for so long. And now I'll be like, I guess I'm done. I guess I can put the welder away. That's this feels weird. But well, now you can actually use it. Ah, sort of. I got to get it dipped and then it's going to get some wiring for lights. Then I'll be actually usable. But like the actual like, construction, like it's to the point where like you take a, like a furniture project and you finish sanded it and you're getting ready to apply the finish. Yeah. It's kind of where I'm at with it. Okay. So, yeah. Do you get that sense? Like the way you just described that reminded me of when I built a home theater. I, I was researching the heck out of it. I lived in that world for like six months trying to make everything perfect. And then there was almost an anticlimactic letdown when it was done. <laughs> and the only thing left to do was actually use it. Yeah. Have, um, I mean, have you yeah. guys ever had that kind of feeling with either, a, I don't know, like a shop project or something like that? Sure. Yeah, I like think a yeah. lot of things actually. <laughs> like the, so many of my projects become part of my shop for so long. Yeah. They're just a the fixture at this point. Of course, yeah. when my brother built his home theater, he sold his house. Like he finished it and two weeks later put his house on the market. Yeah, maybe it helped it sell though. That'd be good. Maybe. I think there there is a tendency to do that. I think some people maybe, I, I you know, it didn't happen with me because I was when I started my shop up was more um trying to start a business. So it was about working. Um, but I imagine if you have researched the heck, which is something you can really do now, go down a rabbit hole of like shop tours, trying to make your shop perfect. And then you finally get it to this state where like, okay, I got all the tools I need. Uh, I've got the shop looking the way I want it to look. There've got to be some people who get to that point and then they're, they don't even want to build anything, you know, because it's like, I'm nowhere near that point, but I would imagine the, the person I'm describing probably has a lot of money. Right. And this was something that they just kind of, organize this dream shop. They put it all together. Now it's there, but the actual making of things in that space is something they didn't really think a lot about. They were so focused on organization, getting the shop together, buying the tools, you know, researching reviews and stuff like that. Sure. Possibly. I don't know. I've seen it a lot. I know what the home theater thing comes up so often to me because the game of perfecting your home theater, it's, it's something that uh, you could just spend ages on and it's an ongoing process. And when you finally reach that point where there's nothing left to do and now all you have, all you can do in this space is watch movies. It's like, (laughs) wait a minute. Isn't that why I made this space? (laughs) It's like all, all I can do with the shop is make furniture. Now this is stupid. Why am I doing this? I don't know. Just funny to think about. Sorry. I didn't mean to uh, derail you in that man. That was good. That was a good tangent for it, I guess. And I think, no, but because for a lot of our projects, if they're bigger, they become such a central part of our lives for so long. Like you were saying, that when it's gone, you know, like this is something's weird. Like when yeah. I did the high boy, and that's that took up so much space in my cool. shop, yeah, right, for so long. Yeah, and then I got it out of there. And I'm like, what is all this space I have now? <laughs> my shop just right? got bigger. Then what am I gonna do with my life? Yeah, relax. No, it's crazy. <clears throat> no, I'm gonna build 20 uh, spice boxes. I only built two. Okay. I guess well, that's actually, you know, that should be our first tip for spring cleaning. Finish the projects that you have floating around the <laughs> yeah, shop before you start the next one. <laughs> actually, it is 20 because it's two of the outside cases and nine interior boxes for each of them. So it yep. is actually 20. See that? Dang exactly. it, Mark. I know the math. I did the math already. <laughs> 
There's the new show title. Mark was right. There you go. Doesn't happen often, but I'm, I'm taking this one. It's a win. All right. So uh, Shannon alluded to our, our main topic. It is springtime. It's a good time to go into the shop and clean some things, clean out some filters and stuff, maybe do some organization, uh, which is always fun this time of year. You could uh, actually put the open up the windows. Well, at least for me, open up the windows, open the garage door, get some nice cross ventilation, some fresh air. That way you could fart more and no one is bothered by it. It's amazing when you work with another person, say, how sudden normally bothered by it. <laughs> the person I work with. Well, we actually have a designated farting corner. I was going to say, I don't think he's bothered by it. <laughs> he, oh, he is. <laughs> you trust me. Very much so. Uh, all right. So just trying to think this time of year, uh, without a doubt, one of the things that I'm going to do and this, this actually is multiple times a year, but uh, certainly around this time is the shop blowout. So, you know, try to get a fan, a really big fan on one side to blow air out and a window on the other side that's allowing fresh air to come in. And then you get that leaf blower and you go to town and just try not to knock crap off your walls. And then um, you get all the comments that you're going to blow your shop up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> there's a lot of things like the upper corners of your shop, you know, like where the ceiling meets the wall. You might have some cobwebs up there. Um, I've got a lot of crap hanging on my walls and even just decorations and things. Uh, I don't, it's not like I dust in there. So this may be my one opportunity for the year to get dust off of those high areas. Uh, the top of the dust collection piping, you know, that yeah. collects dust on the, the very top. <laughs> yes. As you might find out the hard way if you're moving things around or doing something <laughs> on the ceiling. <laughs> so it's a good time to blow that dust off and kind of almost work your way from the top down. And then hopefully you have enough airflow to get all that stuff that's airborne, most of it being pulled out of the shop. So I basically just blow the dust out of everything, get the table saw wide open, clean that up. Um, the other thing I like to do is, okay, this is on paper. The reality is I don't do it, but I like to think that about <laughs> once a year I go around and like lubricate and calibrate and just kind of get, no, you don't. I know. Look, <laughs> I'm just trying to present a good example here. No. <laughs> If I'm writing an article on how to spring, spring clean your shop, this would be like the second thing in that list. So let's just go with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to grease sure. my, I'm going to grease my trunnions, you know, like you do. Uh, yeah, I will. You know what I might do? And again, this is something that is a little bit more than a yearly maintenance thing. I will uh, wax the surfaces of my cast iron tools, make sure those are nice and slick. But if you have the time, this is a great time to, to see what needs grease, what needs oil, uh, what needs just a thorough cleaning and then a, a re-lubrication. Uh, tune up that bandsaw. It's a good time for that as well. Um, Organization-wise, trying to think. I, I mean, that's that kind of comes and goes for me. It's not something that suddenly in the spring I go, I'm going to organize some stuff. I kind of do that when I have downtime throughout the year. Um, and then filters. I mentioned that at the, at the top. Uh, great time if you've got, you know, for instance, those Powermatic electrostatic filters that you have to clean and not just throw away and replace. Good time to clean those. You got a filter stack on your dust collection system. It's a great time to pull that sucker off. And uh, people gave me advice on that one to clean it out um, because we <laughs> I usually try to blow it out outside. Just again, leaf blower, have that thing wide open and just <laughs> dust everywhere. It's, it's horrible. It's awful. Uh, people recommended putting a garbage bag, uh, tying a garbage bag to one end and then just seeing if you can kind of, you know, maybe not with a full strength, you know, 500 CFM blower. Uh, but something in there to kind of get the dust out of the pleats and have it fall down into that bag. So that's something I want to try. 
because there's really no place. I can't find any place where it's safe for me to just blow out a, a filter stack like that without making my neighbors think that like a bomb went off somewhere. Uh, but that is That's definitely a good on idea. List. I don't know why I didn't think about that. Cause my, my dust collector, I have that Rockler wall mounted one. It's yeah. got the pleated filter add on, mm-hmm. but the bag just hangs off the pleated filter. So, right. you know, if I'm taking the filter off, technically there's already a bag on the bottom for some reason. I've never done that. Well, I don't I do know the how same well thing. I go outside and, you know, and it's got the little crank to like, you know, agitate the pleats and kind of knock stuff off. And I do that, but sure. that, you know, that's like half the work. My concern is that with the bag on there, if there's no airflow through that, you're just going to kick back. dust back right in your face. So that, that's my, I don't know how well this is going to work. I think <laughs> yeah, agitation though, would be better in you if you could like poke a few holes in it just to let allow, it breathe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to test it out and see, but I, I get the distinct feeling. The best thing to do is probably grab some kind of a brush on a stick, <laughs> you know, like to, to manually pull the stuff out of the pleats as opposed to using air to do it. Cause I can't imagine yeah, it's going to work. Go buy way. a new filter stack. It's probably, that's <laughs> probably the best idea. Swap it in. I'll tell you guys what's, what's been hell on this filter is uh, the CNC and I've been doing nothing but MDF I was, templates. I was hoping you're going to say drywall dust. It's almost Ooh. as bad, <laughs> right? I mean, this MDF dust is nothing to mess with. Um, yeah. So it is caked in those filters and I really, I gotta, I gotta do a number on it. Uh, so that's about it for me. Spring cleaning organization uh, type things. Shannon, what about you? Um, definitely the, the shop blowout and keeping with the theme of today's show that was actually inspired also by Mark by years ago, some video you made, mm-hmm. you had a little like cordless leaf blower. Right. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. So I remember like later that year going out and buying whatever the Ryobi version at the time was the little plug in cordless thing. Mm-hmm. That thing's still cooking along 10 years later. But, um, my big thing is, is every time I do that, trying to get enough airflow, cause I just have a teeny little window at the back of the shop. So I open the garage door. Um, and no matter what I do, I end up having to do like three and four rounds of blowing. <laughs> yeah. Cause it'll blow and it all gets in the air. And the other thing I discovered is do not run my jet air filter. Right. Cause you'll go through a filter in like five minutes. I was going to say that's, that's <laughs> a real good point. That's what you do after the air has kind of cleared a little bit yeah. and you're done. Ooh, it's bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of cool because it's like, um, like, uh, um, in a wind tunnel or something, there's enough particulates in the air that you can actually see the air filter doing the job. Oh yeah. <laughs> like you can actually see the clouds swirling around and sucking in one out in one side, but mm-hmm. yeah, it will destroy that filter in a matter of minutes with so much stuff in the air. So I have to do it a couple times. I'm thinking what I need to do. Um, I, I want to get a bigger fan anyway, frankly, to put in front of my Peloton bike because of the sweat. Um, not to get to <laughs> so feel the wind in your hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah I just close my eyes and pretend I'm outside. Um, but I think what I, I need to do is just put a bigger, bigger box fan or something like right in front of the window and get more cross breeze going. Cause sure. it just doesn't seem to be enough. So that, that third and fourth shot blow out before the stuff that just fell is now gone. But that's always, that's always definitely spring, uh, spring cleaning. Um, I burn a bunch of scraps. I've got a fire pit in the backyard and mm-hmm. it's like we go to the grocery store, buy marshmallows and Hershey bars and graham crackers and go through the scrap wood. Um, I have boxed a bunch of stuff up and like shipped it off to people. Um, if it's particularly nice, you know, I, I try not to burn the exotics because most of them don't burn very well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know, then you hallucinogenic effects and all that fun stuff. <laughs> I do a lot of lumber reorganization in general. Um, I have the lumber shed out back and then I've got a lumber rack in the shop. And the idea to quote Mark on paper is that <laughs> there should only be like the current project and maybe the next project on the lumber rack. But yeah, that degrades over the year and just a bunch of stuff gets shoved up there. And I, I just, I don't like giving up so much room in my shop to actual mm -hmm. lumber when it's stuff that I'm just never going to use. So I reorganize that move stuff back out to the lumber shed as much as possible, try to reorganize the scrap bin and really be, you know, draconian, just, just get rid of whatever I can. You know, I, I will stare at that one piece of curly maple and yeah, it's really pretty curly maple, but it's like one inch wide and eight inches long. Like, what are you going to do with that? I can mm. make a drawer pull out of that. Yeah, I could, but come on now. <laughs> what you do is you burn it. And then film the whole thing like in slow motion and post it on Instagram and then just watch yeah. what happens. That's true. That's true. Only good things. <laughs> Only good things. <laughs> just the positive. Um, I have one cast iron tool in my shop, um, my, my planer, and it definitely gets the beds waxed at that point. There's no lubing going on. I wouldn't even know what to lube in my, my planer. What, maybe <laughs> what I should do is start rotating the cutter heads every, every spring. I don't know. Probably no, do that that's too, that's <laughs> too frequently. I don't use it enough for to even do that once every couple of years. But yeah, yeah definitely. Cause this time of year I start opening the garage door just as I work in the shop. And of course the humid air starts to wreak havoc on the uh, big cast iron tables there. So I will wax sure. that. But then I also take the opportunity to wax all of my tools. Um, you know, general day-to-day -day rust uh, prevention, wiping tools down with an oily rag before we put them away, just keeping the wood dust and everything off. But in the spring, I whip out the Renaissance wax and just coat everything. Every plane, every sole, every blade, every chisel just gets a wipe down of the stuff. Um, and it, it's done pretty well for uh, rust prevention as I move into the really humid uh, summer months. And then Organization is a big That's deal good. for me. When I redesigned my shop uh, several years ago and I put plywood up on the walls and painted away the red and all that stuff, um, I moved a lot of stuff out of the shop. And I'm fortunate that right next door to my shop is the, the mechanical and the laundry room. So the, the furnace and the laundry room is all right there. And it's, it's just storage. It's the unfinished part of, of the basement. And there's a whole corner there back behind the water heater that can't really do anything with that corner, but stick like Rubbermaid tubs. You know, it's the perfect place to store stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of things in my, my shop, a lot of tools, a lot of material, a lot of little things that are very, very specific use. Like I've got a whole bunch of lumber or uh, turning square blanks and things like that. I stuck them in a Rubbermaid tub and moved it out of the shop, just moved it into the laundry room. Um, all of my, um, like marquetry type stuff, all of my wood turning stuff in general, all the various and sundry chucks and jigs and turning tools and, you know, pin parts and all that stuff. It all lives in various tubs and it's just not in the shop. Just get it out of here. So I take spring to kind of look around the shop and say, what is that? Like, there, why is there so much dust on that? Well, it's because you have not used it in a year. <laughs> so do I still need it? Do I sell it? Do I give it away? Or yes, I still need it. But, you know, how often do I do, um, you know, stringing inlay on a project? You know, mm -hmm. 
not all that often. And if I do, is it really that big of a deal to walk into the other room, bring in a little tub, pull out the stuff and, and put it away? So it's, it's like I've got tool storage and woodworking shop related storage, but it's just not in the shop. It just lives somewhere else. And it doesn't have to be easily accessible. It doesn't have to be well organized. It can just be a big tub cram full of stuff because I reach into it maybe, you know, once every sixth project or something like that. And I've just found that works really, really well to kind of keep the clutter at bay. Mm -hmm. I, I like elbow room in my shop. I've got a small shop, but I have a lot of kind of open space around the workbench and I just kind of like keeping it that way. And right now, as we're coming into spring, I can see that it, the, the chaos is creeping in. <laughs> like <laughs> the walls are closing in on my personal tracks compactor and it's time to start moving stuff out. We're getting a peek into the OCD nature of my personality basically right now. There's nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah. So that's, that's the big thing for me is just moving non-essential stuff out of here. And if you don't have like, you know, a a space in the laundry room or whatever, even if you just have a corner of the shop, put stuff in tubs and don't worry. We, we tend to be all, well, it's gotta be perfectly organized and the tools can't touch one another and everything. You know, it, it doesn't have to be perfectly neat. It just, bunch of those go to well don't go to target now um it's not essential shopping folks (laughs) yeah um go to amazon (laughs) yeah order won't be here next day but just you know pick up a couple of those big deep rubbermaid type tubs and you can clear up a lot of clutter and you'd be surprised how easy it is to figure out you know yeah i don't want to get rid of that but i might use that one day stick it in the tub and you will have so much more just space and availability in the shop. Mm. Good tip. Mm. Real good. Uh, Matt, what do you yeah. do? I feel like everything's been said already. All right. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fair enough. This is the first few things I hear here. Blow out the shop. Yeah, we talked about that already. Yeah. Although I do, I do run my air cleaner when I'm blowing it up because the air cleaner is my fan. It's pointed towards the garage door, so it helps to evacuate a lot of the sawdust. And the other thing I do is I just stand there in the in the shop with the leaf blower, just point out the door. <laughs> stand there for ten it. minutes. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah, my respirator. Actually, I got my listen to music, or whatever. Stand yeah. there and blow the dust out. And you know, it's kind of funky. Like you're looking outside, you see it's like plume. It's yeah, just a plume of dust going hopefully, out the door. Hopefully, no one's oh, car is out so there. Good. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? That's that's kind of stupid. Obvious. I should really just do that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm kicking myself for not thinking about that. Although I will say, yes, make sure that, because in my case, it's a garage, make sure the cars are not in the driveway. I've made I that was, mistake. I, I was hoping you're talking about the, the Peloton where you're like, you have a leaf blower in front of your bike now. Oh you yeah. Just to keep them, keep them cool. Yes. I'm going so <laughs> fast. I'm going to put arrow bars on the Peloton. <laughs> so Shannon thinks he's a speed demon now because uh, the wind force is unbelievable. <laughs> I, get, uh, I, get see, rid of now, I, I think I have to make a video now. I think <laughs> if, I can, if I can get that much of a dust plume in the air and we can do like the whole wind tunnel effect, I'm going to pull the arrow yeah. bars off my road bike, put them on my Peloton. That'd it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, I empty out the, uh, the scrap bin. I do that. I get rid of scraps. Usually I just like uh, post that the whole bin or the whole pile is free and then someone will come take it and do whatever the heck they want with it. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem anymore. So that helps me get rid of the whole bin at once. How's that work out to pause on that for a second? How does that work out? Cause I know we've talked about this whole, uh, give things away 
sort of one, concept not being as easy as people think it is sometimes. That one usually works out all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to make a lot of people pretty sad, but the people that do take it are actually taking it for firewood. So they just take the whole <laughs> bin and literally no. just dump it in the bed of the pickup. Yeah. And then it's gone. But I mean, what do I? I don't care. I mean, it, they can do whatever they want with it. It's not my problem anymore. Whether you turn into something or it gets turned to heat, I mean, it's, something's happened to it. Yeah. But it's out of my way. Um, I have been. You know, I have boxed up scraps and shipped those out too. That's that's fine. I do that occasionally, but I guess that makes me feel a little bit better sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of work too. Um, yeah, the, the scraps are generally pretty easy to get rid of uh, without any like a huge amount of headache from the whole scheduling someone to come take it kind of yeah, thing. Right. And it's usually pretty quick. Uh, yeah, bigger stuff is a little hard to get rid of for free, but that's different. Sure. Story, I guess. Sure. Um, coming into spring, since I do a lot of stuff outside, there's a lot of like sawmill cleanup type stuff that I do and things that I find that were previously missing. They have now revealed themselves in some weird places. In oh, the there it is. Uh, my favorite ones really find things in the lawn. You're like, the only way it's got here is because it went through a snowblower and, uh, <laughs> landed over here. So, <laughs> you know, you'll find like, uh, I felt, oh, what the hell? Like, like angle grinder attachments to be like in the lawn. Oh, geez. Uh, uh, like wow. kids toys action figures or whatever like in the lawn like yeah that went straight through a snowblower and ended up over here so that was i'm sure that was a fun journey for this thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you know, just you just find weird stuff sometimes You're like how the hell does it get here yep went through a snowblower <laughs> i'm kind of i'm kind of glad that i i get the impression that pancake's kind of an inside dog and i'm kind of thinking that's a good thing <laughs> so, oh there she, goes pancake uh, she generally is in the, it's in the winter time she's not very big, so she gets cold pretty quickly, so she can't stay outside. The nice thing about Pancake in the winter is that you don't have to worry about her running away because she ain't running away. Like, Screw this. <laughs> she knows I'm where the heat back is. Inside. You know, come on, th- this time of year, you got to keep a better eye on her because she's like, I'm going to go on an adventure now and leave the yard. Yeah. But uh, in the wintertime, she's come back. <laughs> she's booking it. She's not stupid. Poop, poop and book. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Very good. So, hey, do you guys know who else likes to help woodworkers clean and organize their shops? I hope there's like some kind of woodworker cleaning service we're about to talk about. Something that we had (laughs) no that we didn't know about. (laughs) Yeah, you could rent Matt's snowblower. Blow crap all over the place and you don't have to worry about it. Into the neighbor's yard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, Well, Rockler offers all sorts of organization products to help keep your shop in tip top shape. So one of the things I used recently that they have, it's kind of a cool thing, is their lock align system. So think inside your you know cabinet drawers in your shop. Uh, how many drawers do you have that are just kind of a junk drawer? You know, with like bits. All of them. <laughs> every single one of them. <laughs> uh, I know mine definitely could could do or did will be the past tense of that that they could have done with some organization. Uh, and these lock align things are fantastic. They're, you know, just rubber and plastic mats that have little dividers that you could pop in. There's little cups you could use for screws. So you kind of cut them to a custom size, drop them in the drawer. And suddenly this mess of, you know, just junk and, and bits and pencils and what, whatever you keep in there is now really nicely organized. So they have a whole selection of those things. I use those in a number of my drawers um, from the recent uh, cabinet builds that I did for uh, shop organization. So those are pretty cool. Uh, other things you might want to check out, they've got inserts for router bits and Forstner bits. So let's say you're making a router bit cabinet. You could buy these little, uh, t- I think they're like in 10 packs, 
of inserts. So you drill the holes and it's a plastic insert. And the reason you would want to do this, now I don't worry about it too much in Denver because it's nice and dry here. But if you drill your holes and you say, well, what do I need those for? I could just drill a quarter inch hole or a half inch hole and drop my bits in that way. The problem is, um, number one, with uh, moisture, they might get rusty, uh, depending on how much moisture is in the wood. Uh, the other thing is you might have the hole not work anymore because it just closed up. <laughs> or it be- it's hole doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah, it just no doesn't. Longer a hole. Yeah, it's not. Like the wood grew back. <laughs> it's not the hole that you once knew. Uh, you also might have a situation where it gets too loose and the bits are just kind of flopping all over the place. So these, these inserts are really nice because you put those in a hole that you've made. And then now you have a fixed size hole that will always work the same way. Uh, and you get a nice 10 pack of those and build a a nice little rack for them. Um, this is really compelling. Now I actually, I think I remember when they came out with this, but I, I don't remember looking too much into it. They have a ceiling track system. Uh, with all kinds of attachments oh, yeah. for for hoses, for cords, keeping those things out of the way. They've got a system for a universal mount so you can mount a camera or lights. So people who do the stupid stuff we do, like documenting and, and filming everything you do, uh, if you are in a space that has a ceiling that is of the proper height, I think they even have like extension things you can use too if it's a taller ceiling, but imagine having your lighting on there or something that's an out-of-the-way location for your camera Especially, I guess maybe if you're like a turner, that would be fantastic because oh, you're, you're kind of in a fixed yeah. position, right? So so having a camera in a fixed, safe position that's up and out of the way, super cool concept. Um, so that's definitely something you would want to check out. I imagine, Shannon, in your shop, you've got, well, no, Matt, you've got low ceilings too, don't you? I do. Seven footers. Yeah. Yeah. So can you guys imagine a, a nice track system throughout the shop to be able to put your, your uh, spotlights and things like that for, for filming? That would be Absolutely. great. I don't use those anymore. Oh, they have, um, they have a, um, a curtain as well Mm -hmm. for finishing, which I, I'm into that. That Ooh, that's a great idea. Want to think about that around the workbench and, and, you know, take a shower on the workbench. There you go. Contain that overspray. You can, you can do like a banner of like different branding to sell some ad space. Mm -hmm. There we go. (laughs) That's a good idea. Now you're thinking. I do love Fig Newtons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, of course, another thing that they have that I use extensively in my shop are their clamp racks. They seem to have a clamp rack that's like custom designed for every type of clamp that's out there. So uh, we'll have links to all these things in the show notes if you guys want to specifically check them out. But of course, if you go to their website, you'll be able to find that stuff pretty easily. So uh, when it's time to get everything spruced up and organized, Rockler is definitely going to be the place to go. Check them out at rockler.com. And thank you for supporting the show, Rockler. All right. Thanks, Rockler. <clears throat> So much noise outside of my office. What is going on? I don't know. It's like Nicole's doing something she's never done before. I think I hear a vacuum, a vacuum cleaner. The the Roombas are rising up. (laughs) Good times. All right. So let's get into our voicemails and emails. Uh, First one here is a voicemail from Steven. And this is a little bit of kickback regarding how planes work. Hey, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. This is Steven from Alexandria, Virginia, and wanted to share my thoughts on why a hand plane works without offset beds. Um, I think what it is is when you're hand planing, you're relying on the skill of the user and not the tool itself to give you a flat surface. And when you first start using a hand plane, uh, often annoyingly you end up with a convex surface and not a flat surface because you haven't figured out when to put weight on which part of the plane and um, you know where to take wood off. You're not necessarily taking full length shavings all the time. 
Whereas on a jointer, really, if you put the concave side down, you're probably going to end up with a flat surface at the end. Um, so I think it's the, the slowly, selectively removing material uh, based on the skill and experience of the user with a hand plane versus relying on the, the offset surfaces of the jointer and the machine to give you a flat surface. Well, that's my two cents. What do you all think? Go Rockler! Yo, Rockler! Hmm. <laughs> it's interesting. So by, by what he's saying, by that logic, if you have a perfectly straight edge, and let's say you're edge jointing, and then you put someone on the hand plane with no experience, no ability to finesse the hand plane through the action, all they do is push it through. Or let's say you'd like put a, a cable on one end and pull it, right? Will that plane be able to take a clean shaving all the way across on its own? In my experience, no. Which ta- which which makes what he's saying, you know, more valid that it, yeah. there is a, there no, is something to the finesse of the action. He's absolutely right because convex surfaces or tapered boards are the most common issue when people uh-huh. first start hand planing. Like I thought, this was supposed to be flat, and no, I mean, and it all comes down to weight distribution. And there's yeah. that little bit of rock that, as you kind of go up and over that hump, you can very easily make that hump even worse. Sure. That's interesting. Okay, well, Steven solved it. So tell him job, to Steven. write Chris Schwarz and uh, make a change to his book where he, where he says it's just magic or something like that. Isn't that what he said? All right, Brian uh, yeah. also sent a voicemail so in. Steven, as a reward for the solution, um, you, can, you can go to Rockler and get free shipping on orders over $39. Just you, though. <laughs> just, <laughs> just you. No one else. It's one-time use. Would talk. All one word. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Brian has a voicemail here about uh, Maloo Finish. Hey guys, Brian from Brooklyn here. Thanks for unquitting. It's nice to have you back. I have a question for you about finish for a dining room table. In particular, sort of a George Nakashima-inspired walnut slab top table. I want that oil-rubbed finish that the Nakashima furniture seems to have, but I need it to be a bit more protective in case someone sets like a a glass of red wine with a little wine around the bottom of the uh, wine stem on the tabletop so it doesn't stain. Will the Sam Maloof uh, poly oil finish that Rockler sells give me that protection? Um, I would love to hear your feedback on that, or if you have another idea, tell us all about it. All right, welcome back. Man, everybody's getting sloppy drunk at Brian's house. <laughs> <laughs> they can't hold their red wine. It's getting all over the place. People that can't pour a glass of wine. Huh? <laughs> I say, I think you need new friends, Brian. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> what are you guys doing over there? Wine rings on your table. They're, they're quarantined oh. and just drinking everything they've got. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. It's a tough time. Um, all right, so I've never actually used the finish, but it's not something I'm unfamiliar with. Um, the Malou finish, there's, uh, I believe, two products. Um, but if you go through the whole system, essentially what you've got is a uh, oil varnish blend. And I believe the second finish has a little bit of wax in it too. I think that that is enough of a finish to resist uh, wine stains. It's it's not going to let things readily absorb into the wood, but you're also not building a really substantial film. So part of the problem with sometimes with moisture and a film finish is that you can actually get the moisture penetrating into the finish and you get that white haze on there. Uh, in this case, you don't really have a thick film. You just have something that kind of absorbed into the wood, made that top layer somewhat impervious to you know liquid penetration. So I think you're in, in a good standing. Now, if you leave that that sit there for too long or someone left the wine glass there and it has that situation where 
you know, that ring is there for a long time because there's not enough air to dry it and it just sits there all night. Yeah, I mean, any finish might develop a problem when you do that. Um, but I think actually with this Maloof finish, you're in pretty good shape. And I mean, if something does happen, that's actually not that bad of a finish to repair. Uh, you should be able to kind of just lightly abrade the surface and maybe rub in a little bit more finish and uh, call it done. So I, I think that's not a bad finish. Again, it's an oil varnish blend, so it's not like an epoxy layer on top. It's not that kind of film. It's a little bit more of a quote unquote natural sort of uh, finish, but you do have some, you know, moisture protection. Uh, either of you guys have an opinion on that? Not particularly. No, <laughs> I mean, good. <clears throat> I don't want to hear you talk anyway. I mean, how do you feel about wax? Uh, it's a good first layer of protection. Yeah. I mean, it, it, does a really good job of causing stuff like that to, to beat up and not penetrate. Mm -hmm. It's not really durable. I mean, it, it has to be reapplied over time, but I would think that, I mean, if this is something that he sees happening a lot, you know, it certainly would give you that nice kind of soft, silky touch and feel that is, is so reminiscent of, of Nakashima and even, even Maloof. Mm -hmm. I think even a paste wax would be a good solution. Just recognize you may need to reapply. Sure. From little, time to time. Little maintenance there. And, uh, you know, get better friends. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, if they are actually leaving like glasses full of wine and not finishing them, I mean, they're just like stealing money from you. At it's that disrespectful. Point. I mean, or you got to get better wine. Yeah. So I was going to say. Call Gary <laughs> B and get better wine. Your wine's not good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Uh, I didn't Stop put names. Serving Boone's strawberry. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I thought I put names on here and now they're gone. So, um, Matt, why don't you grab the next one? I will read the first one here from Rich. Okay. Uh, do you chisel on your bench? I built a beautiful Rubo using Mark's plans. Subtle guild member mentioned to get question read. Hey, it worked. It worked. And I cannot bring myself to chisel on the bench uh, itself when chopping dovetails. I always use a sacrificial piece to avoid damaging the top. It seems like a waste of this huge bench with all of with a flat top and parallel sides to so always be working on some random piece of plywood. Uh, when tool collecting, whenever I see old benches, they're always beat to an inch within their life and show off the history of their use. Just wanted to see if I was the only one. Uh, so when I built mine, I used a little plywood thing for about a year. And then I think I slipped and put a little, little dent in my bench or a little chisel mark in my bench. And mm -hmm. now I don't even bother putting anything <laughs> down. And I'm just... Rich, just try this once. Okay, take your dovetail board, put it right on the bench, and just go to town and do all your chopping and make some dents in your bench. You'll feel a little dirty at first, then you'll realize <laughs> it's a bench. It's fine. You'll probably end up, you know, reflattening it at some point, and it'll look brand new again <laughs> when you refresh it. Do you always, uh, you always chop all the way through? Or do you like the 50% flip and then chop through again? Usually yes. fifty percent and then flip, but you know sometimes you get one that slips a little bit. Yeah, you're gonna punch through I'm, it at some point. If I'm if I'm pairing a um, a mitered dovetail, uh huh, that I go all the way into the bench. Okay, you I know, you know to support those fibers. The I bench is supporting the fibers on that piece. You know, it's doing sure, the job. Sure, sure. I don't <laughs> think there. I don't think there's anything wrong with putting that sacrificial surface down. Like my bench does get beat up. It's got you know, uh, drill holes in it. I don't get upset when something hits it. It, it is a work surface, but I want that work surface to go as long as possible before I feel the urge to clean it or, you know what I mean? Like uh, resurface it. And if I, if or, I'm, you know, dye it brown. Well, shut up. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, that, I, I was trying something, okay? It was we a, said we'd never speak of that again. It was an experimental phase. I don't like to discuss it. <laughs> But like if, 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 if I'm chiseling like crazy and smacking that chisel into the workbench constantly, it's, it's going to be a pain in the butt. There's going to, you're going to do serious damage that makes that surface kind of goofy. Um, so I get it. I can, I agree with people who want to just use it and say the bench is the sacrificial surface. That's fine. But I, I kind of want to make it last as long as possible. So I like the idea of putting something like a little piece of plywood under there uh, just yeah. to prevent those wayward I, hits. I think you're right though with the chopping though, because like normally you're you're not really chopping into the bench that often yeah. if mm-hmm. you're doing it right. I mean, I wouldn't route all the way through a workpiece on top of the bench and put like a random router dado in my bench somewhere because <laughs> right. it's sacrificial. Yeah. So I mean, there's that line, but I don't. I think people worry about it way too much. I, mean, I think yeah. the first thing you should do if you finish your bench. Just take a mallet, take something, and smack the top. Put that first dent in it and get over that hump. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. It's a workbench. It can take a little bit of abuse. That's the beautiful thing about these big, heavy workbenches is they can take a ridiculous amount of abuse. And I, I mean, this has to be a, a sort of the hobbyist perspective that, that you know, kind of works its way in. Uh, well, I, and I get it, though, because you spent so much time building it and you're building it almost like you would a piece of furniture yep. if you're building that particular bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's that's well, the and, thing. And uh, he, go ahead. Shane. He said those old benches he sees are always beat to an inch of their life. Well, yeah, that was probably a working cabinet maker for, yeah. you know, years and years. And it wasn't really that important. So. And he also probably built that bench in a day. Yeah. yeah. You know, or two, maybe. But I don't think the, the, he put as much, you know, he's not putting thousand dollar vices into this thing. The, the one thing that, that I'll say with the whole, I don't even call it a sacrificial surface, I call it a bench hook, um, is I have a, a wider, I actually call it a pairing hook because it's not really meant for sawing. It's got a very low profile fence. It's only about three sixteenths of an inch high. And it's meant to uh, just provide a, a, a fence to push the wood up against. And just having that reference surface, having the wood kind of pushed up against a fence makes it that much more stable. Mm -hmm. So when I am doing chopping work, not having the board just kind of floating out there um, or not having to rely upon some sort of vice to kind of clamp it and hold it in place um, goes a really long way. So while I do have some bore holes and some errant chisel marks and things like that on my workbench, my bench hook looks like it's been through a world (laughs) war and back, you know, I mean. And, and in that instance, I purposely like use the bench hook as like the fibers, like backing up the hole as I bore through it, you know, so there's all kinds of holes in it and chisel marks and everything, but it just, to me, it's a better way to work. And it has absolutely nothing to do with marring my workbench itself. It's having that, that cleat linking the hook over the front of the bench and the fence off the back of it really adds a very stable platform to work on mm-hmm. for both laying out for chopping for boring all kinds of stuff throw a hole fast into the mix and and you're good to go yeah that makes sense now i'm thinking about it like every work surface maybe like a drill press table even the cnc you know these are things that we always have sacrificial material on the top because if you get through that that's not as easily replaceable. What, what comes next, right? You, you know, the aluminum top of the <clears throat> CNC bed or the cast iron top of the drill press table. Like these are things, if they become damaged, it's not easily replaced. And while the workbench is made out of wood, I see it kind of the same way. It is that very difficult to replace surface 
that just makes sense to use something sacrificial on top of it because I don't want to think about what it would take to do another bench <laughs> at this point. So you keep the thing that's, that's I'm not going to say irreplaceable, but difficult to replace or resurface. Uh, you keep that looking as good as you can for as long as you can. Anyway, I, th- I, th- I think it's fine. Do what you want. Who cares? <laughs> it's your bench. It's your do bench. You Who cares? Diet Brown. Who cares? <laughs> and then undiet. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so Matthew Curtis wrote in. He says, does sanding to 180 before cutting your lumber prematurely dull the blades? I've heard that sanding will leave grit in the wood that will dull the blades. Is that true? Why don't we see it in our finish? I may be naive to this, but I read this question. I was like, what now? (laughs) (laughs) Who does? What? Who? Who? What? Where's my? Is there any logic to this? I don't know. I don't have an answer on this at all. I, I could tell you, first I guess of all, in theory, there's stuff, there's abrasive like ground in there, but, but at such know. a small scale yeah. and, and ultimately I'm not usually sanding anything to 180 and then cutting it that just my yeah. workflow doesn't go in that direction. Uh, but if I had, did have a part that was sanded, I would not even give an, a single microsecond of thought about running it through the table saw at the risk of dulling my carbide tip blade. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't really carbide. No, I mean, maybe are you talking like planer knives at that point? Maybe I wouldn't even, I don't know. You know what else prematurely dulls your blades? You know, Wood. using them, yep. <laughs> using them, <laughs> turning them on and, and using them. <laughs> uh, just woodworking is a constant state of getting duller. Just put it that way. Yeah. Everything you do makes the blade dull. Just accept it, learn to sharpen and move on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, in this case though, we're talking about, it sounds like he's talking about like a table saw. Um, maybe there might be something you dig down into the details. There's some wood nerd who has figured this out and that this causes the blades to prematurely dull. Um, I would not spare much time thinking about this. I would right. just, you know, first yeah. of all, figure I view out this is the the same as well, you just put wax on your plane. Won't that affect the ability to finish the wood? No. Right. No, not really. No, it won't. And also I would say, Matthew, evaluate, why are you sanding to 180 and then cutting? I mean, that shouldn't <laughs> yeah. happen that often. I mean, unless you have some weird specific process that requires that uh, most of the time you're going to keep your wood in a fairly r- not rough, but an unsanded unfinished sanded state uh, until you're at the point where, okay, that's all that's left to do is get the parts ready for finish. Now you're sanding up to 180. Yeah. That's, now, that's do we think that higher grit might be a different story? Like 80 grit? Would you think that would be something you would, you know, <laughs> spin across the table saw and it starts sparking? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, if I still this don't were, see if, large if the, grit particles no. left on the surface. Yeah, if this were true, I guess theoretically, the lower the grit, you know, that 80 grit would be more problematic, but I, I don't think it's true. So I, I, don't. I have run so many cutting board blanks through my drum sander and then chopped them up into all the individual strips afterwards at the table saw without my blade dulling. You know what? That's other a, than what it normally does when you use it. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly, <laughs> that's a great use case that I didn't even think about. I run tons of stuff through the drum sander which is a rough sanding as far as I'm concerned and then cutting it again after that. And I'm I'm not like, Oh no, my blades, you know, it's like eh, it, it cut just fine. Okay. Well, interesting. I'm curious who has said this, uh, Matthew, <laughs> where, where did you learn this uh, information? Maybe he just said in his shop, thoughts are wandering. <laughs> that, that could be it. Like, I wonder what, what happens if I put my hand planes blade down? Oh, oh no. Oh. 
<laughs> Never. Get, someone on the internet just got yeah. very angry. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get told about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Someone actually, I, 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 how did I come across it? Someone quoted me saying something about that topic. And I always get nervous when anyone quotes me on a hand tool thing. I'm like, I'm not the guy you want to quote with hand tool stuff, you know, but like he pulled a quote in an argument about that, about why it doesn't make any sense to worry about that too much. Uh, but I got real nervous about it, but yeah, hand planes down on their blades. Ah, who cares? I think people worry about too much in general anyway, but mm-hmm. that's, you know, another thing. Sure. Well, dulling again, they worry about this all the time. And I was like, that's why we sharpen. I can tell you how to fix it. Sharpen. That's how you fix it. Yeah. I mean, sharpening, I think is, um, I think sharpening might be seen. Yes. That sucks, but well, you got to send those out. So yeah. Right. It's it's carbide though. So that lasts longer regardless. It's going to be fine guys. Why are we even talking about this anymore? It'll be fine. I don't know. Let's move on to Matt's question then. (laughs) (laughs) So Matt wrote in and he says, homies, Yo, my big multi-year project in the shop is a kayak. Honestly, worst thing I ever decided to do because it's mostly working with fiberglass and rarely working with wood mm-hmm. and fiberglass is miserable, awful stuff, but I'm making progress and I'm sure it'll be worth it at some point. I'm just imagining my future self with this super cool kayak followed by a posse of mega babe kayak groupies is the only <laughs> thing helping me through this misery of little pieces of glass getting stuck in my hand. Oh yeah. Anyway. One requirement for working with fiberglass is you have to make and apply a ton of epoxy. The byproduct of my lack of delicateness is epoxy stalactites, or maybe they're stalagmites, all over the concrete floor of my shop. Those are stalagmites coming up from the floor. Um, what is going to be my best approach for de-epoxying my shop floor when this is all over? Beater chisel? Some wonder chemical that will soften and dissolve the epoxy, but nothing else? Belt sander? Discuss. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it's on his, did you say concrete floor? Concrete floor, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I honestly, I mean, I think a beater chisel is a good way to go or even a screwdriver because it probably will pop right off that concrete floor. Um, think so? Or I would I think so. I feel like it's, it's like, it's toothy enough where it's going to be grabbing. It's kind of porous, sucks it well, in. I guess is, is his concrete oh, the, the, finished at all or is it just Yeah, that's concrete? a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, if it's finished, it, whatever it is, is going to come up with that epoxy, right? That's what, true, too. Wouldn't you think? Any paint or anything off the... Yeah. I think if it was finished, he might have mentioned it. He probably just has an unfinished concrete floor. Oh, that's in there, yeah. then. That ain't, ain't <laughs> popping that out. That's in there good. Probably. I would I at least try. get a chisel under the edge that you could at least pry it up, I mean... I mean, I, I do that. Granted, this is my workbench, but I do that on my workbench all the time. And I would definitely get like a putty knife. I've got a couple of putty knives that just over the years, they were thin to begin with, but I use my spindle sander to clean them up. And just over the years, they've gotten really, really thin and sharp. Um, I would use one of those to just, just in an inconspicuous spot, if you could find one and see how it behaves. Uh, if it comes up and it does detach fine. Um, but if it does like Matt saying, and it gets its like tendrils down into the concrete, <laughs> you may wind up chipping the concrete, which is no good. And, and, and we always try and soften it with some heat. Maybe that'll help you be able to pop it off a little bit, or at least maybe cut through it mm-hmm. with the potty knife or something. But uh, I'm going to guess, I'm going to say belt sander is probably going to be the end all be all for this one. Ugh, that sounds miserable. Maybe. 
Maybe depending on how big the stalagmites are, a hedge trimmer. Just kind of <laughs> yeah. cut them down close and then belt sand them away. Sure, you get know? your clippers. Actually, yeah. you know, the softening thing makes some sense there too, Matt. Like if you soften it up, you may not get it all off, but get you can get it, it. Yeah, you can do enough to flatten it out and then you leave that fine layer of epoxy on top of the concrete. Who cares? But it's not you something. You can extrude them into even longer ones Ooh. and create like a grass floor that could actually be soft and comfy on the feet. There you go. Or you can just apply epoxy to the entire floor and then just there you know, we go. sand down on the, uh, the high spots. That's really the smartest thing to do. I mean, isn't an epoxy flooring like a thing? Sure, but not clear. DIY epoxy flooring. Mm -hmm. There you go. And generally beforehand, you want to like etch the floor. So maybe some muriatic (laughs) acid will just take care of the epoxy in the first place. Yeah. That's, yeah. uh, That may be. I think I'd be, now that I'm thinking about it, if the chiseling or the putty knife doesn't really pan out, probably getting on your hands and knees with a damn belt sander and hopefully some decent dust collection or do a spring blowout. (laughs) <laughs> then when you're done, you go. you're going to need to. How, how about a, a router and you just set the bit height to be just above the surface and you flush them up? Yeah, yeah that sounds how really safe. You swap like, out the brushes in your Roomba with a router blade. <laughs> I like that idea. Now you're thinking, yes. Shannon. Use technology. Versus mixed with Roomba. Yeah. <laughs> or just finish the kayak and go paddling and just don't worry about it. Just just close the shop down. He's going to be too busy with his posse of, uh, of uh, ladies following him around with the sweet kayak. So, yeah, he's not going to be worried about stupid epoxy. That's awesome, though. That's a cool project. I'd like to do that one day or film someone else doing it one day. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Sounds just as fun. All right. Well, that just about does it for us today. Remember uh, that we did sell out to Rockler. So Rockler is a family owned. I like that. I have this in here as like every three shows. I'm going to say it that way. Just to keep, just to keep it real. Rockler is a family owned business since 1954. They're your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finished supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com, use the code WOODTALK, that's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over 39 bucks. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Please send us questions. It gives us stuff to talk about. It makes preparing the show a non-event. We just copy and paste and we're done with our show prep. So mm-hmm. if you go to woodtalkshow.com, you can submit your questions there. You can also submit questions on Instagram where Wood Talk Show there as well. Or you can record a voicemail, voice memo using your voice memo app on your phone and email that to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Finally, come find us and talk to us individually on Instagram. We are Matt Cremona, Wood Whisperer, and Renaissance Woodworker. And I've been thinking about the social call to action. Um, Wood Talk 467 is your hashtag. And as much as I would love people to send us pictures of them blowing compressed air in their face and giving them their own blowout, uh, I remember that caused Mark some um, some blowback that he was going to like hurt his eyes uh-huh. or something or blow up his head or something like that. Mm-hmm. We do want to see shop organization. Um, you know, I'm always, everybody loves to organize their shops. There's a whole reason that you can go to Rockler and find thousands of doohickeys and thingamajobs to organize your shop. So show us what cool organization have you come up with for something in your shop that you're particularly proud of send us send us a picture tell us about it and hashtag it would talk 467 it's a good one bonus points if you send in pictures of epoxy on the floor that's that's yeah. that's a good one too i want to see that some stalagmites <laughs> or stalactites stalagmites 
Who has got the tallest ones? You know what I never understood? Stalactites hang tight to the ceilings. Stalagmites might one day hit the ceiling. See, that was the problem. Whenever I heard that, it was always like, I've never heard the second part of that saying that you just said. Uh, I would always hear that stalactites hang tight to the ceiling. But if you only know that one, you go, well, stalagmites are strong, so they hold on to the ceiling. And I always get them mixed up. But the second part, I, I like it. But the second part, now it makes sense. Yeah, okay. see, I was a tour guide in a cave mm-hmm. many years in high school. So, yeah, of course you were. Of course. Things. Of course you did something like that, right? Cave of the winds, baby. Colorado Springs. <laughs> Sounds like a job Shannon would have. Yep. <laughs> you know, the cave tours. Yeah, in a future episode, I will take you through the whole spiel. I think I probably still know it. Okay, that's good. I'm looking forward to that. Of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that does it for us. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.